Good morning and welcome. My name is Apostle Tavo DRC, and we're here today from the DFW Leader Online Ministry Fellowship at onlinefellowship.us. And we're here today to discuss doctrine. What is spiritual doctrine? Well, <clears throat> the spiritual doctrine you have, I have, anyone else has, is their moral infrastructure, their conscience area, their decision-making choice. It's like the infrastructure of a building. It tells you, I'm not going to do that just because everybody else is, or it does. It might say to somebody else, I'm going to do it because everybody says it's popular and I'm going to do it just like that. So your moral infrastructure, your choices, decisions come from a realm of your doctrine, whether you choose not to have any, or you choose not to be a Christian and have Christian doctrine, or whether you do. Now, on this broadcast, on my media, on my writing, I only address and give the word of the Lord, the message to the born-again Christian who say they believe the Bible, God's book. So I'm going to submit it. Anyone else who's not a Christian, who's curious or another faith, you're respected, you're valued, but the word is for the Christian. So we're going to talk to the Christian about doctrine. You know, one of the scriptures, if you Google the scriptures, and there are two scriptures about doctrine in the Old Testament. It says, one of them, it says, those who erred in spirit shall come to understanding those who murmured shall learn doctrine. And I thought of the many years I've been in church and ministry all my life. My father was a pastor. I never heard him murmuring. I never heard him complaining about the people. He was a good shepherd, a good husband, a good daddy, a good you know son, good son-in-law. And he respected all people, but I never heard him complain and murmur and mutter and accuse anybody else, not in the family, not in the community, and not in the church. So I thought that's how all Christian pastors are. And then when I grew up and got out and was led by the Lord, did you know that the Lord called me at age 24, sitting in a church in Virginia, and he said, I want you to study my body. I want you to study the doctrines, the beliefs, the pet peeves, the practices of the different kinds of Christians that are black or white, all kinds, that believe the Bible, and then one day I'm going to have you build bridges of community between them. Back then, I'd already been involved and wanted to help pray in revival, pray against racial bias, healing all my life. I've just had that, that call. Even as a little kid, it stirred me to think of injustice. You know, so that's why we have E-O-R-R -R from the Lord, equal opportunity, real respect for the office of every human made in God's image. Then there won't be any more shouting down people, bullying practices like there is now. So let's start. You know, the Bible teaches us two places. It says in the New Testament, let self-judgment, let judgment begin in the house of God. That means each house of every believer, each house of fellowship, church, community, self-judging, not self-accusation, but self-assessing and evaluation and repentance. So that will bring in revival. That's tied into the same principle, precept, back in Second Chronicles 7.14, which is now just slowly being 
dusted off after, you know, no talk of repentance where I've been for maybe 20 years until now. And it's a new season. So Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if it's a conditional thing, if the people who are called by my name, that means practicing Christians, if the people who say they're a believer, born again Christian, a minister, if the people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, shall seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and I'll heal their land. So we want to say it's our choice to either turn from our wicked ways, self-evaluate or not, and then believe God to heal our land. Look around. Is our land, is a nation healed? No. So I think everybody should take ownership, do a quality job with that, self-introspection, and then really repenting before the Lord, even of murmuring, even of complaining. That's one thing that kept the children of Israel out of the promised land and <clears throat> almost drove Moses nuts. <clears throat> I always think of Moses, 40 years out in the desert with the murmuring, complaining Israelites. Something was wrong with their doctrine, because later Isaiah would say, the prophet, those who erred in spirit shall come to understanding. Those who murmured shall learn doctrine. But there was no book of the Bible. There was the Torah. There was the Ten Commandments just being given by Moses to the, you know, for the murmuring people. But there was no school. They were moving. And I thought of how it would be for Moses, the top leader. And I know that he, his father-in-law, Zipporah's father, advised Moses to get 12 people to delegate to. So he had a huge crowd, you know, just a giant bunch. Well, Moses couldn't go home like we can, like you can. He couldn't close down shop at 5 o'clock go home, sit in front of the television and air conditioning. He couldn't turn on the tube, get on Wi-Fi, go work out at the exercise local gym. Instead, he was trapped out in the desert with a tent for his building, his own living quarters. And you know that he could only hear, he could hear everything, the mutinies, the pouting, the murmuring, the babies crying, the children, the fights in the families, all these things Moses had to deal with. So we have it pretty easy if you think about it. So another scripture for thinking about processing about the teaching and doctrine in Christian churches would be this. There's another one. I, you know, I'm doing this at the spur of the moment because the Lord put on my heart. And there's another one, it says, in Isaiah also, maybe 28, Isaiah 28, somewhere in there. It says that, uh, it says, when should we teach children doctrine? When should we begin teaching doctrine? The paraphrase. It says, when they are weaned from the mother's breast. So right and wrong, discipline, understanding the basics of God, the Ten Commandments, God's tender relationship, protecting commandments, not as a you know legalistic rule, but general guidelines of basic doctrine. Jesus loves me. And how did Jesus act and react? Was he biased? Was he harsh? Was he accusing? Was he demeaning? No. Patient, forgiveness, all these things. All right, so there are two basic Old Testament scriptures in Isaiah about doctrine. If we find out that people are rude, if we find out people are upset and complaining about their mother, downing, downing all the leaders, all the elders in the community, 
that they're racist, they put down people, they're bullies, they people treat people with disrespect, then we go back to these root causes, the church. What's the true church doing with their doctrine? Those who erred in spirit shall come to understanding, all right? Those who err in their spirit, they're angry, they're unforgiving. They have abusive fathers, maybe, ones that cussed them out, but they get to, once they know the Lord, He can give them strength to forgive and get on and start having a merry way again. So we want to examine what's going on in the Christian community about their doctrine. Right now, my after all these years, over a generation of doing this, I'm looking at what has television, basic corruption, the fall of mankind, humankind, what is the busy rat race of parenting, let's shove them in the car, not relating, let's drive them to church, throw them in the nursery, throw them in the kids' church, be entertained, come back home, everybody's fighting in the car, everybody goes out to eat, then they go take naps, do their own thing, and get on their media. So... There's nothing wrong with any of those individually as a choice, but then if there is a avoidance and ignorance that we're not really having relationship quality time with mother and father, whatever parent, single parent or grandparent that is the authority, then we've got to make a way of understanding because the church is sent to whomever is supposed to go, whoever wants to fellowship, they are sent to instruct against gossip, backbiting, uh, what normal and natural approach is with the Lord, what is being loving and a good civil servant, a good civilian, a good person, a patient, fruits of the Spirit like Apostle Paul, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, meekness, self-control, that self-government, that's the first form of authority First form is teaching people how to get self-control with God's help. So there are many things now that are out of focus, out of whack, in chaos, in dysfunction, and I believe it's a lot to do with parenting. And I'm not talking to the non-Christian parents. I'm talking to the Christian. The be ye born again, saved, Bible quoting Christian. What about you? What about me? Now, I've had my chance. I didn't do it perfectly, but... However, by God's mercy, we had two parents, but they were both hand, hand on, hands on, and the children are functional. God's grace, functional, not perfect. Everyone is searching for their Lord and their own timing, but I am grateful to God that we had no dysfunction, and God is so good. So the issue is that everybody's got to hear God and it takes energy. It really does. It takes energy, time, you know, focus, emotional strength. Now you got to, you know, with COVID going on, you got to teach them 24-7. And I think if, in fact, if you look back at all my comments are basically what I found a dysfunction in America and then Texas was like the wide open chaos. I'd never, you know, I thought, man, this is the worst I've ever seen it so deep per capita. This is a signal of what's really happening in America, what's not right with the family and with the Christian community because there was no community. And I felt found a lot of bias, extreme bias in ministry, which I had never thought, ever thought about. And even though God is good, you know, we were with a place that looked like everybody had plenty and they're always working for more. I thought maybe they're 
skill of work and skill of convincing people and taking up collections or working hard, achieving has taken place of love, of relationship, and the fear of the Lord, because that was plenty lacking when I got there for about the whole time, basically, in the Christian community. I am pro-Christian. I am pro-born-again person. But listen, I don't want it just to be some kind of religious spirit, some kind of formula, some kind of like, you're really a racist, a chauvinist, a, a gossip, and you're really not the real deal, a plastic card-carrying quasi-believer, hail fellow, well-met, not sincere, shallow, mellow, shallow. We don't want that. We Jesus wants the real deal, so that's why I pulled out of that system. It wasn't organic. What is organic? This can deal with your doctrine and your teaching. What is organic in the Bible? Organic in the natural sense, when you go to the food store, it's going to be without human added synthetic mixtures. So that's what we're looking for. That's what I'm looking for right now and letting God work on me. Am I teaching Christianity and Jesus and the Bible, being accepting the Lord and following the Holy Spirit? Am I accepting, am I teaching it with mixture? Am I teaching it with really a secret agenda for myself? No. Am I teaching faking it till you make it and putting on the good front but not really really being the real deal, being very pious but not really loving or caring or sincere and even not really caring what happens in society. No, I'm not. I'm teaching abiding James 3.17 relationship, especially after there with the doctrine being so uh, like I'd never seen it in the past. Hopefully it's different now with COVID, everyone reevaluating. Hope that's happened. But anyway, so we're not going to teach. We're looking for organic. Who and what is organic in Christ following? Am I? Am you? Nobody will ever be perfect, but we're looking for what's really in the doctrine of today. Let's go back to the Bible. And I would say because of abiding James 3.17 relationship theology is our call, that means that if you have a relationship, if you see someone sitting in your church, if you have a tendency to be a racist and you look at people and judge them by their outer earth suit color or their gender or their size or their style or their appearance, then that is faulty. That's false teaching to your teaching is really not authentic. I look at Jesus. So my James 317 abiding relationship theology that Lord has given me is don't accuse them for their look or their size. Don't accuse them because they look like your grandmother that was so mean. Don't look them like they were the black minister that was, you know, your nightmare or the white minister or the white woman. Instead, go by James 3.17, the wisdom that comes from above. You assess people, not accuse them. Not feel like you have to be, you know, fearful of them, you're looking at the fruit, are they acting like and representing the wisdom of God, even over time? The wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. I try to watch myself, am I acting like that in every single situation with another person, when I'm married, when I'm not married, when I'm with people at church, when I'm fellowshipping, when I'm at, you know, just gym, any place, especially under pressure, when life gets hard. 
Can we go to God for his help to remain and abide in the fruit of James 3.17? That's my challenge for ministers and people. Christians, black and white, all colors. You know, it'd be great if all faiths did that, but I'm talking to the Christians. Let everyone hear because it's a great, you know, goal for teaching, training children and yourself to abide in James 3.17. Then you don't have to be mean because you're having God's help to do it. And you want to represent with his help the wisdom that comes from above, which is pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality and without hypocrisy. What is the good fruit in that? It's the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5, 22, 23, Apostle Paul, love, God's love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, meekness, self-control. All this builds up to community harmony, peace. Isn't that wonderful? God is so good. He wants peace. If you go over to the community of Ephesians 4 that Paul writes about the Christian community, it says everyone is walking in meekness and lowliness and long-suffering with each other in their relationships. That builds us the foundation of a community. Everyone doing their part to, like Paul also said, Ephesians 5, 21, 25, 21, Mutually, mutual submitting in the fear of the Lord. No big eyes, no big U's. Maybe there's some people that are dense and rude and unruly. You have to have a few people that are, you know, there to be strong. But in general, most people can get along if they're trained. And we train people in their doctrine, in their choices. This is spiritual doctrinal teaching. One more big scripture. All right, this is for the Christians. I don't know how, but I've been, as the Lord led, I was brought up a Baptist, but he was a Christian first, Baptist second, and my parents were happy, and it was a happy memory of a Christian upbringing, because it wasn't religious, no strife, no performing, no two-faced, they weren't biased, it was just a nice, happy camper type, you know, they had fun, we had fun, I didn't hear any complaining or angst about any ministry. It wasn't like that. They didn't talk shop in front of us children, so we had a happy memories. So then I thought that's how it will always be, and I didn't realize it. Well, then all these things, I grew up and I met the Holy Spirit. You know, I knew the Lord for myself. And then I was a Jesus person. All these moves of God started in the 80s, my really in the 70s, 60s and 70s. And so when they started, they weren't like they are now. There wasn't all this I'll be honest, you know, overdoing or performance or Hollywood. It wasn't like that. Media wasn't like fan clubs. It was just like everyone's discovering in a very simple way the Holy Spirit, basically. It was before Word of Faith. I was there right when it started. It was Vineyard Jesus People. That was my time on up. And I was sent. And later I got into the African-American community and was always involved, in Richmond anyway, about repentance for revival among pastors and leaders, and I had my own ministry. And it wasn't to be a celebrity ministry, it was just to be led by the Lord and serve and write, encourage and train, and later got into the worship. So all all comes about, when I look at things, I thought, man, I was raised fairly by good parents who taught me good doctrine, the basic teachings that, you know, it's more important to pay your dues on, you know, to live this life on earth and not, and, and try to please God and serve him daily. But you're living for eternity. You're not living for now. You're not a Demas. You're not, 
you know, trying to make it big. There was no, none of that. No showbiz. It was just a down-to-earth thing. So that helped me when I went out to the Three Ring Circus that is the, four, you know, this deep southwest where I'd never seen what I'd call, you know, they're good people, a lot of quality. Then I found toxic vulc- vulture culture, which were really people who were taking the Word of God, either mistaking it, omitting it, avoiding being real and responsible with it, and they were twisting it and then saying they were under the famous TV preacher or him or her. And I found that a lot of people are just byproducts in the grassroots, the, the real grassroots, whether they're Pentecostal or not, they're a byproduct of now showbiz performance and how you do it because your circuit has done it all those years of tradition, using people, all these different things, including offerings that are you know wrong and also offerings that are right. Along the way, I noticed that A lot of people could receive, either if they had met the Holy Spirit when they got turned on to the Lord, they could only think one way. Let's pray in tongues only. Let's lay hands. Let's, you know, do all these things which are Holy Spirit type things, the power of God. Then I met others who were trained. They met the Word of God. Renew your mind, stand on the word, claim your word. I did, I was there. I was a Baptist first, a Christian, basically a Christian first, because I don't care your pedigree. I really never have. I always had, was best friends with Catholics for some reason. So I, I just wanted to know God. That's really it. I really wanted to know God for myself, and I wanted to know that I wouldn't get into error, go, you know, miss the mark, go to hell or anything. So I wanted to read the Bible to make sure I was balanced. And I had good teaching in, that was not too strict, but they were not religious, but they lived pure lives, fear of the Lord, and respectful. It was a fear of God that was healthy, like Billy Graham. So I get out there and I think, well, how come I can mix with all these kinds and feel at home, whether they speak in tongues or not, whether they're Baptist, Catholics, Methodist, African American, Missionary Baptist, Vineyard, Charismatic, you name it. I can get along because I am at peace if I, if I discern their character is good and they're true people. Because I know everybody's got to hear God for themselves, what they believe. Then I realize that some people, to get unity, some people can't receive from people who move in the Holy Spirit. They get critical, they get nervous, they get, you know, because a lot of people have met people that were mishandling the Lord, not a good representation. We understand that. Then you can have the other kind, the Holy Spirit people that were raised under Pentecost, and they're like, man, those people are so dry. You know, they don't know the Holy Spirit like we do. Oh, yeah, you know, they're just like legalistic, and and there are people that are legalistic, but on both sides. Years ago, decades ago, and that's why I'm going to mention it, because this is a doctrinal teaching that can help people solve some problems. A lot of problems in relationships, in community, but also personal problems. For some reason, years ago, the Lord allowed me to stumble upon Matthew 22:29, And it says, Jesus told the Sadducees, you err, not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. Now, the basic story that was told about this setting was the Sadducees did not believe in the supernatural. You know, they had the Pharisees, the religious group of critics, 
There were critics of Jesus, tried to do him in, you know, anti-woman, always brought the woman and threw her at the feet, the caught in the adultery, never brought the man. So they were really up to no good because they were protecting their own self-interest because they were well-vested in their ministry, had a lot of income, power, perks, and position. Maybe women, maybe they used people, I don't know, but Eli the temple high priest of 1 Samuel was similar. But the idea is that Jesus told the Sadducees, which is a different group, he says, you do, you err because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. Well, the setting was that the Sadducees also were up to no good trying to trick Jesus. And they said to Jesus one day, hey, Jesus, if a man is married and he dies and the Old Testament rule is of law of the Torah is that the wife that is the widow now marries the next brother and that is how it's done what happens if the next brother dies <laughs> brother number two <laughs> and then what happens after that if the next brother dies number three and number four and number five and finally she dies the ne brother number six dies and she marries number seven and they said well when they get to heaven Jesus whose wife will she be you know I hate to say it but I'm a comedian. I really have a humorous thought. This is a little P.S., a little extra. Here we have this woman married to this man. They keep the Torah. They're good Jews. They're good Hebrews. And so she die, he dies the first one. He, she marries the second one, but he dies. And then she marries the third one, and he dies. And I would think by the time they got that far, that the next brother would be scared of marrying that woman. And true enough, she died, and, and you know, all of them died. <laughs> so I thought. Anyway, back on story, back on, you know, truth here. That was my speculation. All right, so Jesus, they're testing. All right, now, Jesus, they got married and all this happened, that whose wife is she going to be when they get to heaven? And all Jesus said to them was this. He, he just said, oh my gosh. He said, these people, he probably thought, these people are playing around. They're monkeying around with God's holy scripture, wasting my time and theirs. He said to them, you err. You err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Part of it it is my opinion, and I'm submitting it to you, is that the one reason he was disgusted and said you erred not knowing the scriptures because they were interested in tricking Jesus with the rules, getting him religiously trapped or confounded by the rules in the good book. When Jesus, the Messiah, came because of the heart of God, he was, he is the word made flesh. John, book of John talks about that in the New Testament, but he knew that it wasn't about who did what, who married whom. It was about God set his, his law up to provide protection, guard, guide, and govern his community, and then get them ready. It was a schoolmaster, the law of schoolmaster, to get them ready to meet God in eternity, to revere him and all these different things. In the New Testament day, here Jesus was planning a new work. He was the Messiah. He was the apostle of the ministry, the work birther, spiritual trailblazer, as it were. 
He was not known. He was a servant leader, so he wasn't a famous capital A apostle. We've made him that. Like Paul, we've made him that. But they were really servant leaders, humble, not famous, not discovered. They were being, being rejected and accused and lied about, told tales about, rumored about, because they were suspicious. They were, you know, the powers that be were in place, like the Pharisees and Sadducees and the government and all the system of the priesthood and the Romans. And they were watching out for anybody who might undermine them, who might take their ministry, who might be mutiny, cause the people to go to them and have division or a war, you know, break the community and their power base. So we have the all the intrigue drama of that era like we have now. And what was going on, Jesus knew why the doctrine was there. He knew the heart of God. He knew the fear of the Lord. He knew that God cared for people more than the rules. It was about relationships, a relationship to invite him into your heart, make him your Lord and have Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Savior, about the relationship with the power of God and the invite Jesus into your heart. He gives you the Holy Ghost with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, meekness, goodness, and self-control that helps you come back to a new normal that is healthier a more even keel and not bound by sin, death, and demonic activity. Maybe it's more lowly, but it's more true and eternal because that's what really counts. That's what we're on the road. It's called the narrow way. It's called the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody, it says in the Bible, nobody comes to the Father except through Him. These are doctrinal issues that I mention every one. So when I was looking, when the Lord showed me, the Holy Spirit taught me about the Christians, the different kinds of Christians, and everybody who has a problem. If you have a huge issue, healing or needs or relationships or depressed or don't know who you are, your call or why you're on earth, or how to get over bias and racism, you're being biased against every single problem, needing to get pregnant, whatever it would be. Everything has been affected by the fall, the carnal side, so you're going to have to get more power and more information and more Holy Spirit revelation and power supernaturally because it's so hard without God. That's why I'm here. We're, it's, that's why we're here to say we're going to live our life with God's help because we're going to need his help for the power to overcome and make it through and keep our joy and our peace and our family and our safety like Psalm 91. That's how I do it. So here's the issue. When you look, you're not looking about the Sadducees tricking Jesus, trying to trap him. It's not about, that's not my point in all this teaching about that. My point is, if you really analyze what Jesus said, if you need a miracle, you're going to need to go to either one side. If you were raised one way like Baptist, or if you're raised one way like Catholic or Charismatic, or if you're raised by Pentecostals, you're going to have your own upbringing, background doctrine with you. And some of it could be controlling doctrine. Some could be really good doctrine. Somebody could be fearful doctrine or just sort of plain, I've never heard of that. You know, it must be, it must be goofy. It sounds flaky type th thoughts. 
So the idea is you want to, don't want to be fooled. And what we want to say is that you want to say that bottom line is this, because I've got to go. The Bible said you err not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. That could mean me and you, because we either, we, nobody knows it all. Nobody knows all the Bible, how it works, how you build the muscle of faith, renewing your mind, meditating on the word, speaking the word, proclaiming the word, getting a word from the Lord to give somebody else. Nobody knows all the ins and outs of the word. So you can grow in that. Maybe that this season, this year is your call to do more about the Lord and your faith and God's word, the logos and the rhema. All right. However, if you already do that and you're working the word and things aren't complete yet, maybe God is saying, you know what? Quit, quit making it a works thing, a striving thing about the Bible. Let me now get in a relationship with me and I'll communicate and I'll lead you by the Spirit. And maybe today I'll say you need to go learn more about the Holy Spirit and His power. Praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, getting in the baptism. Even if you're not op open to that right now, you can ask Him about it. And you can still say, Lord, I want more of your power and might. Read Isaiah 11, 2 and 3 about the Messiah who had all of God's seven spirits, the power of counsel, might, spirit of the Lord, fear of the Lord, wisdom. All these are supernatural. What you do, it's like Book of Acts without tongues, basically. If you're not a charismatic, you say, Lord, I want more of that. I want more of your wisdom, more of your power. So there's always a need for more whether it's more about learning about the Pentecostal thing of laying on a hands, getting healed, reading about that, and getting to know a relationship with the Lord, being lit. That's like I do it. I like, you know, I hang out with God and my relationship. He'll say, today I want you to really study the Bible, turn to your Bible, and I'll do that. Another day he may say, just stand and pray. Another time he says, go to a meeting and you need somebody to pray for you and other times you may say, pray in the spirit, pray in tongues, because that, you know, whatever he says, I'll do it because I always need God to lead me and direct me and give me my miracle because every day is a miracle. Some days, as we know, yeah, the pressure could be so bad. Also, worship is another way. And I got to go because my time has run out. But there's so many things. If you need your miracle, everybody's got something they need. Family, pressure, life, COVID, you know. Then you ask God about these things. He's not dogmat. He's not your mama. So you don't have to do it, but at least inquire to grow. Search the scriptures because you don't know all the scriptures about it. Google online about it. And then I'll talk more about it later in ministry. But the idea is that you can start to grow and ask the Lord, well, Lord, if I have this big problem and I'm in this quagmire, in my business, in my marriage, in my ministry, in me, and I don't know what to do, male or female, are you telling me I need more faith, more knowledge of the Bible, or do I need more power and more strength, supernatural grace? And all these things are found either in Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine knowing more about the scriptures and or about the power of God. And it's so wonderful. You know, the, and the power of God is this, James 3.17. It's got to be pure. The wisdom that comes from above is going to be pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without par partiality, without hypocrisy. It's going to be second 
Timothy 1.7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. It's going to be so great, peaceable, pure, loving. It's your it's your fake friend that's putting the pressure on you and your granddaddy or your mama or the old backbiter next door. So don't be worried about them. Some people don't have a pure heart. You work on your heart and work on keeping it pure, your life pure. Please God and let him, he and you have a great relationship. Have fun with the Lord. I have a great time. I mean, I've had some of the most horrible trying times in my life in the field of ministry. I have never seen such terrible (laughs) fruit. (laughs) But, you know, I don't do that all the time, 24-7. I know God, so I pull away and think, man, who brought them up? Who brought you up, some of you? And I say, Father, forgive them. Forgive me for my share. Forgive them for their share. I'm talking to I'm going to hang out with God and have fun. And he gives me laughing jokes and nice people. And I'm just sent to tell you that that's how you do it. You don't be offended. But you also don't want to get too close to some of these people. And I'm not doing it. Never have to be popular. I got to go. God is good. His mercy endures. This is Tavo D'Arcy signing off for now. Senior pastor, senior overseer, apostle of the DFW Leader Ministry Online Fellowship at onlinefellowship.us. Bye-bye. Have a great day.